Welcome to Calvary Conversations. My name is Tim Hange, an English and education faculty member at Calvary University. It's my pleasure today to interview Scott Edgar and to talk with him about the challenges that are facing Christian leaders today. Let me begin by giving you a bit of an introduction for Scott. Uh, it's quite lengthy. Scott's had a wide range of experience. I'm so excited to have you here today, Scott, by the way. So, um, Scott and his wife, Rebecca, are graduates of Calvary University. Uh, back in the 80s, you both graduated, if I'm mm -hmm. correct, right? Yes. Uh, yep, you've served together in pastoral ministry in four different churches and as missionaries in the former Soviet Union in what's now Ukraine. Is that correct? Yes. So, yep. Yep. Scott has almost 20 years of experience in Christian higher education, serving as a faculty member, academic dean, and associate dean. He's also served as the vice president of a missions organization, and currently Scott serves on the uh, as a faculty member of several Christian universities and seminaries, uh, most notably Liberty University, where he teaches and mentors students in the Doctor of Ministry program and teaches in the Graduate School of Pastoral Care and Counseling. Um, Oh, and in the counseling in their life and leadership coaching program. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So three years ago, Scott founded Pathways to Success uh, Executive Coaching. And I actually have had a chance to see Scott in action as I was uh, a member of one of his coaching groups. Uh, it's a ministry that's focused on helping Christians discover and pursue their unique paths to success. Uh, based on Scott's experience, the ministry focuses on individuals serving in vocational Christian ministry. Scott and his wife, Rebecca, live in Bentonville, Arkansas, and are actively involved in Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. Uh, Scott, your degrees are quite impressive. You began, of course, with the most impressive degree you could possibly attain, which was a bachelor's in biblical studies at Calvary University. You then, bet. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that really the, the highlight and really the foundational education for our life. Mm -hmm. in ministry. And no matter where I've gone since then, I look at Calvary as being that foundation of life and ministry that is, has served us well. Yep. Yep. And then you went on to get your MDiv from, um, in Christian thought, uh, from Trinity Evangelical uh, Divinity School, a demon from Fuller Theological Seminary, a PhD from the University of Wales. Now, did you do that remotely, or were you able to actually uh, be present uh, there? No, I was actually uh, a missionary in Ukraine at the time, and I started that program. I would spend a number of weeks each year on campus. So it was, uh, I guess you'd call it distance education with uh, a month each year with working with faculty. Wow. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, and uh, you have a graduate certificate in executive coaching from the Townsend Institute at Concordia University in Irvine, California, and that's uh, Townsend, of course, the famous uh, Christian, I guess you'd say, counselor, um, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, married for thirty-five years, interested in personal growth and health of Christian leaders, trout fishing, and Kansas City barbecue. That is an amazing introduction. Wow. So, Scott, um, yeah, let's begin with this first question. You went from a ministry-related path ultimately into the world of academia. Although your missionary work really wasn't, was it church planning or was it more academic? It was more training. It was teaching, more academic. Right? Uh, yeah, there was a time, Tim, where I would have to say my wife and I were surprised by God. 
Uh, yeah. We've been serving in local church ministry in different roles. Uh, Christian education pastor, pastor of adult ministries, executive pastor, interim pastor. And in 1998, our church made the mistake of sending us on a short-term missions trip. I love it. And we spent a few weeks in Ukraine, and mm -hmm. things were just opening up, and they were able to start a network of Bible colleges. And so we went there, and I taught at a Bible college near Moldova, wow. also one near the Russian border. Mm -hmm. And we taught all day long from like 8.30 in the morning till 6 at night. And the impact on us was so powerful. I, I remember very clearly uh, a dean of one of the schools, the, the one near Moldova, and he broke down in tears and he said, thank you so much for coming here and sharing with our students. And they wow. were just there taking notes. This is the first time I've ever, ever had uh, the chance to sit under biblical teaching in an intense <laughs> way. And I remember, uh, I'm not really the crying type, but I broke down and said, no, thank you for being a blessing to us because we experienced the, the love, the hunger for the word they had. Uh, we returned to our church in Wichita, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we just thought, well, that was a, a wonderful experience. But we've been called the local church. Right. But within the next few months, the Lord made it very clear to myself and to my wife that he wanted us to leave local church ministry, raise support, and move to Ukraine uh, to serve in uh, the Bible college theological education world. And you were there three years? Yeah, three years there, and then three another years. another year doing uh, fundraising and pr uh, missionary promotion stateside. But uh, yeah. that was our transition out yeah. of local church into some type of equipping ministry. And then when the Lord brought us home, that was kind of our transition into Christian higher education. What was that transition back like? That's a very good qu question, Tim. Uh, uh, of course, you know, we have a connection because you served in that part of the world. Yes. And to be honest, it was a little challenging uh, coming from a place in the world where people were hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, people had suffered for the gospel. Yeah. Uh, people took every opportunity to, to learn biblical truth. And they were taking what we gave them and just immediately just multiplying that into ministry. Wow. And so it was a little hard coming back. And uh, I had a chance to be being at a uh, Christian college and seminary. But compared to what we had experienced, we had a hard time coming back to, you know, sometimes the local church that was kind of ho-hum and uh, kind of had lost its fervor. But that was a change that I've stayed with. And I believe in equipping people for ministry. Uh, with a gospel focus, and mm -hmm. that's what that's what drives me today. Uh, um, before we get to the coaching, I, I did just want to point out: Do you think that, or or ask this question because I, I bet it, I bet this played? Do you think that your adjustment back into life here played into your decision to pursue coaching? Uh, definitely, Tim. Uh, in a funny way, returning from the former Soviet Union to the States was a more difficult transition. 
mm-hmm. than our transition to go there. Yeah. And like a lot of missionaries, we came back and we had the same 30, 45 minute, uh, we call it uh, exit interview before we right. returned to life in the States. And we really struggled. Uh, I, I hit a wall and uh, a little bit of depression and mm-hmm. all the things that go with that. And that experience and uh, experiences earlier in my ministry where I had served at a church that ended up splitting and uh, I was asked to resign. Mm. I struggle with depression and examine my calling. And what I've learned is people in, in different types of Christian uh, work uh, don't have a place to go to debrief, yeah. grieve, uh, share their hurt, process. And that theme in my life of, in some ways, being wounded in ministry was probably the motivation that that has brought me to where I'm at, where I have the experience in a variety of ministries, but I also have the experience of walking through some very dark times. You know, I just want to really point out for our listenership, this is one of the things that really has attracted me to Scott, uh, is, Scott, you just said a couple of things that a lot of people would would hesitate to share publicly. Um, just the fact that you 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 have gone, you went through a very difficult adjustment um, coming back to the States. You've been through part of a church split and uh, a forced resignation, but it's our ability, um, you know, not to, to speak about these things, I think, and your ability to speak about these things openly uh, that I think equips you uh, really to coach Christian leaders. Um, we, we really can't afford I think as Christian leaders, we need to be iron sharpening iron. And and you really can't do that if there's uh, an ethos of pretentiousness. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate that about you. Um, I have some questions about your, your life in academia, but I actually want to jump to the question about uh, your personal coaching. Um, what are the biggest... <clears throat> needs that you see right now or the biggest challenges let's let's take it that way mm-hmm. the biggest challenges that you are seeing facing christians in leadership today what would you say those are well that's a complicated question but in some ways a straightforward one uh tim uh, uh the challenges are great uh we live in a time where our society is definitely becoming post-christian and mm-hmm. agonistic uh, we live, and we're seeing it in, in recent years, things are volatile, things are chaotic, things are uh, changing and changing very quickly. And so uh, being a leader and trying to provide direction to God's people when things are very uncertain and unpredictable, that that is just a, an emotionally draining task. Mm-hmm. So you have that challenge. But also, uh, people in Christian ministry tend to overemphasize the spiritual, and that we tend to underestimate the importance of us as human servants and instruments of God. And so, uh, sometimes we're uh, uh, we don't apply our, our own medicine. Uh, we work harder. We pray mm-hmm. harder. 
but we tend to not take care of ourselves as persons, uh, our emotional health or psychological health or physical health. And uh, over time, what I see is Christian leaders serve with a an injured soul. And what I mean is you're very cautious. Uh, you're very afraid of saying things because people have their opinions. And so we... Uh, Intellectually, the way we lead, we become more guarded, more protective in what we say and do. And also, let's face it, uh, it's it's draining and it's hard to lead. And I don't know what it is, but Christian leaders, maybe we think it's a sign of weakness that we need other people to help us be healthy, to grow. In many ways, we're spiritual first responders. And mm. we know that today that you know people who are nurses or first responders themselves need care. We but in, in ministry, we see people crash and burn. We see casualties. It's a spiritual warfare, and yet we don't have a place to unpack that. And so we keep taking these burdens upon ourselves. And over time, it just keeps us from being authentic, being real. We don't want somebody to think that, you know, like I said, we're discouraged, we're depressed. I mean, where's the faith in that, right? All the things right. we tell ourselves. So uh, we just have a lot of challenges. We have the the challenge of leadership. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have the responsibility of leadership, but on a human level, we don't have a lot of authority. Right. And that makes it challenging. But also, uh, we're very guarded, and we don't want people to think that we don't have it all together. And uh, people put us on a pedestal. I know that. Uh, we just need to be careful that we don't accept that false view and allow ourselves to be on the pedestal. As you're talking, like I'm trying to, I'm sitting here trying to think how how leaders how how we've gotten to the point where, where we put leaders in these incredibly difficult positions, but we don't think about the sort of emotional support they're going to need to get through it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if part of that is cultural. I mean, we Americans are very independent in our thinking. There's also that, that cultural aspect that you mentioned just now of, of like, I don't want anybody to think that I, I can't handle it. I'm not doing my job, right? And so there's this level of, of, of appropriateness to that. It sort of ties, and I really like what you said, but I, I kind of want to clarify that. Focus so much on the spiritual that they forget the human. But really, aren't the spiritual and human connected to begin with? I mean, doesn't this stem from a false view, perhaps, of what is spiritual to begin with? Oh, yeah, we, we take the... The theological her uh, heresies of only seeing the divinity of Christ neglect the hum uh, humanity of Christ, and in some ways, when it comes to our spiritual growth and our our own development, we focus on the spiritual, and yet we fail to see that we're both we're also human, and we have soulish mm -hmm. components that that need to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. What if so? If you're a pastor or a leader or a missionary, and you don't feel like you have somebody that you don't feel like there's a system in place to support you, 
what do you think would be some key piece of pieces of advice you would give somebody in that position in terms of managing their their own emotional and spiritual growth and health excellent question and uh again that's that's sometimes the the isolation that we put ourselves in uh as christian leaders uh we we sometimes we can't trust people around us because sometimes they're part of the problem right and Mm -hmm. if you're like me and you've been in in ministry for any period of time you've you've been betrayed Mm -hmm. uh you've had people turn on you and so and you know, and there's probably a, a healthy distance that we need to have between ourselves and the people we lead. Uh, I'd encourage people in ministry, no matter if you're in missions, pastoral ministry, Christian higher ed, whatever it is, uh, to find a group of people uh, that you feel comfortable with to be your life team. I have a group of several people that uh, I could be real with. Uh, that uh, if my ideas are funny or off the wall, they'll tell me, and sometimes they'll be there to listen and encourage. And so if you can't use that in your own network or congregation or organization, we'll find a group of people that you can be real with and process. And, of course, you know, uh, having been the beneficiary of coaching, because that's what I did a number of years ago when I went to the the Townsend Institute in California, where we, in the course of a week, processed my life and brought a lot of these things up. Uh, and I continued to receive coaching. I just think it's a valuable thing uh, for a leader to have someone to guide them in processing, planning, growth in different areas of life. Mm-hmm. And we need to be stewards of, of who we are and the calling that God has given us. Right. And we need to take seriously investing and at least maintaining uh, what God has given us. And I, I'm a believer in coaching, as you could tell, Tim. So, yeah. Yeah. What, you know, sometimes people go to coaching that they feel like is not incredibly effective for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've been in that situation too. I, I've been in a room with, with somebody who, you know, I'm seeking counsel and, uh, it's just not working. Um, I don't feel like perhaps they are understanding the issues or, so I kind of want to get at, um, I've experienced her coaching and I both individually and as part of a group. And, uh, as long as everybody's being honest here, it really helped me with a transition back from Russia. I'd spent eight years there and it was really a, quite a difficult transition back as you, as you recall. But what the question is, what makes an effective coach? I mean, I, as people with the heart of ministry, of course, we'd love people to connect with you, but, uh, if not you, someone, right, what should they okay. be looking for in terms of a, a ministry coach, if you're a pastor or a missionary or somebody who who needs that connection? Yeah. Well, excellent question. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, coaching in the corporate world is very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people, you know, and, and I live in the world in Bentonville, Arkansas, of Walmart, Sam's Club, and Tyson, and uh, a lot of executives. Uh, coaching is often a perk of being in leadership because they know that everybody needs to grow. 
Right. And for the price of a good seminar or conference, you could receive coaching. It's more regular. It's focused. It's sequential. You're, it's more uh, focusing on areas that you need growth on or building on strengths. But there's three basically ca uh, basic categories of coaching. There are people who give you a lot of assessments. Mm -hmm. And we've done those disc and and there's a place for that. But they will then uh, give you the results of those and send you on your way. And they say that's coaching. Right. Uh, there's coaches that uh, kind of pepper you with an endless series of open-ended questions. You know, what mm -hmm. kind of pastor do you want to be when you grow up? Those type of things. And uh, what I experienced at the Townsend Institute was a blend of theology Mm -hmm. uh, psychology, leadership theory, uh, neuroscience, and it's it's holistic. And as we realize, sometimes what we don't need is more information. Right. We need we need to grow and develop the capacities to connect with people and have healthy relationships. Yeah. We need the capacity to have uh, healthy boundaries. Yep. And to be our own individuals and not uh, uh, just carrying out the dictates of our followers or those we lead. We need the capacity to integrate our negative experiences in life. And uh, I think that's incredible uh, for people in ministry because we've all had those, right? And right. And they just stuff them down and, and don't deal with those. And then finally, we need help just becoming more assertive and and growing in uh this discovering what our voice is as a christian leader and develop the capacity to discern god's leading in voice as well and yeah. so the, the type of coaching i've experienced is a one where there's uh sequential exercises to grow in all these aspects of just being a healthy person right in addition to being a, a believer and a leader. And sometimes we, we overlook that. So uh, my recommendation is something that has a holistic focus. You know, I think that word, uh, uh, I think some Christians in, in my circle are turned off by that word because that word is often used in in, in sort of secular uh, psychology, con uh, psychological context, et cetera. But I really don't think it's a word that we as Christians should fear. Because when we talk about holistic, we're t we, what we mean is that there's a spirit, a mind, a body. You know, the, the Bible clearly teaches mm -hmm. these things, right? And, and that we need to understand that the spiritual applies to our entire life. Not, there's not some division between secular and sacred uh, where the, the church things I do at church are church things. And, you know, what I experience privately or whatever pain I'm experiencing or, you know, my fatigue and all of that. That's a physical thing. No, they're all connected. And I, I really like the fact that you're not afraid to go there, even with that word. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, now, we tend to think uh, holistic focus, it means watering down the spiritual. Right. And uh, to me, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're put together in a wonderful way. And all these things relate just like the hand and the, all our fingers that's connected. And if you look at, uh, the pastorals and Paul's advice uh, to Titus and Timothy about the qualifications for leadership, uh, those 
are not always about how much theology you know or uh, you know those type of things, but there are descriptions there to talk about how you relate to others. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you deal with your uh, emotional impulses and prone to anger mm-hmm. and uh, managing your family and and so I, I tend to look at uh, you know spiritual you know just like just like your hand here is having intellectual emotional relational all these different components and so I think we've been reductionistic in how we look at the spiritual part of leadership yeah you know um, I I'm ex- I, I'm going to admit that I had a whole second line of questioning uh, that dealt with uh, Christians in academia, but I think I'm going to uh, press your goodwill for a second interview because I would like to take the last minutes that we have of this interview and ask a really important question uh, that is wasn't on the list I gave you either. Oh, so this, this may surprise you a little <laughs> bit, but um, we have a lot of young people at Calvary who are excited to train for ministry. I mean, they are where you were back in the eighties, a young person, wanting to get out there and serve the Lord and and be part of God's kingdom work here on earth. Um, and yet, undeniably, uh, we see you know so many succumb to discouragement, uh, so many who are doing other things five, ten years later, et cetera. If you could give any advice to a young person who is at Calvary University right now or anywhere studying mm-hmm. for ministry, preparing for ministry, what would it be in order to stay healthy, in order to, to to persevere and to stay in the course as you've had, as you've been able to do these past 30 plus years? Well, excellent question. Uh, uh, you know, Tim, I guess, first of all, uh, focus on your, on developing yourself as a person, mm-hmm. not just your biblical knowledge or your skills and teaching, but grow yourself as a person and and if if there's baggage in your life if there's hurt in your life find some way either through counseling you know uh, i believe that you know there are needs that you need to go to a certified counselor or therapist to address Mm -hmm. and if you don't the stresses of ministry will bring those things to the surface in uh in more intense ways you know if you're under the uh the microscope of being a pastor or a missionary or you're alone in another part of the world and the stress comes those areas of your life life are going to come to to light and they're going to bubble over and so uh focus on growing yourself as a person Mm -hmm. also if you have a chance to I would say uh, do internships, be an associate pastor, uh, learn to grow without the pressures prematurely of being. That is such good advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I've seen too many times where your young leaders are in a situation and the pressure is so severe and unfortunately the hurt is so great. they just they weren't mature enough or strong enough to handle it, and sometimes you know like like me early in ministry you really consider, well maybe I'm not equipped for this maybe I misunderstood the call maybe I need to find something else. 
And so uh, look at yourself in, in, uh, as a person that needs to grow holistically and not just how much Bible do you know, can you preach, can you teach, and so on. One last question to that angle, too. What happens to the young person when they step into a ministry position and they find that the very things that they expected a church to be, the high expectations, uh, they find the ugliness of the human sinful nature there, and it turns on them as in, you know, being asked to, to leave or, you know, maybe an over-controlling uh, board or, or whatever it may be that discourages people. And I so often hear young people say, well, you know, I had no idea people in the church would behave this way or, or people in ministry would behave this way. How, how does one get over, um, get, get through that, get, get through dealing with the sinfulness of man in ministry uh, without abandoning ministry and still maintain mm. focus and hope? You know, you know, that's the dark side of ministry, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been there where you, you go into ministry and you have a noble calling, uh, lofty expectations. I'm here to, you know, preach the word, all, all those things. And, uh, but we're all human. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sin emerges that even in the midst of a Christian organization or church, uh, we have mixed motives of even if we're in the Lord's work of maybe some part of us that wants to be successful or mm-hmm. wants people to like us. And I guess I would advise uh, that person, if, if you're there now, to, you know, uh, look with a little bit of grace on the people that you're with and don't look at them as all the bad guys and you're the good, you're the good person. But just realize that we're all saved by grace and we're called to serve and uh, working with sinners is messy, mm-hmm. and we're messy. Yep. Well, Scott, I thank you so much for taking the time today, and um, I really hope that you will join us for a part two uh, where we can talk about uh, Christianity and academia and really academic missions, too. I think some people don't don't consider that when they think of the mission field. They think of church planning, and so maybe just plugging a little bit of this for our listeners. Uh, we'd love to have you back and kind of discuss the importance of, of academic uh, academics and ministry and uh, spiritual life in academics um, but thank you so much for joining oh, us today you. your, your experience and and wisdom is is invaluable and thank you all for listening to calvary conversations have a great day bye thank you for joining us for this edition of calvary conversations a service of calvary university in kansas city missouri We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.